If you had only one word to describe God, what would it be? Love, light. Choose carefully, you only get one. Mercy, love, light, mercy. Mystery. Peace. Creator. All-knowing. Mine would be welcome. God is always about welcome. And we see this played out in our text this morning. We pick up where Greg left off, where the younger son is rehearsing in his mind what he's going to say when he returns home to his father, ending with, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before we hear the conclusion of this parable, I want to remind you the whole reason why Jesus even had this parable in his head and why he shared it. Remember, he was being criticized by those who said that he was hanging out with the wrong kind of folk. He was being criticized by those who considered themselves, at least from a religious point of view, in power because Jesus was with undesirables. Now here, the ending of this parable called the prodigal son, though the word prodigal is never used. So he, the younger son, set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what's going on? The man replied, your brother. Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he said to his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed one of your commands. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. So let's look at the whole of this parable. There's a man who had two sons. We don't know anything about his wife, so the assumption is she's no longer alive. So the scene is a single parent with two adult children living at home. The youngest son, in an imperative voice, says, 
Give me the share of the property that is coming to me. I have always been struck by the presumptuousness of this request, a demand, really. It's like me saying to my 97-year-old mother, give me my inheritance now. The presumption is that I'm getting an inheritance and the audacity that I want it or should be able to get it now. In the next sentence we hear, it's kind of like commentary, he, he, that's the father, divided his resources between them. This action seems as odd as the request. Not too many days later, the younger son, with what the father had given him, got all his belongings and hit the road for a new life. He went to a distant country, or a faraway country, some texts say, where he lived it up, away from family restraints and expectations, and there he squandered his property in dissolute, or dissolute, which means not integrated, or loose living, which is probably a better word. The younger son was basically sowing his oats, that gypsy aspect of our personalities, where we want no responsibilities, no concerns, only a life that's carefree, where we can live for ourselves only. Have you ever lived this way or wanted to? To have all the money you need and no concerns of the world? I haven't. But there have been times I've fantasized about it. Last week, in fact. No, no, no. <laughs> not really. Not that recently. The younger lad, off in the foreign land, spends all he had, and then a famine swept through the country. Just when he had it all, it disappeared. I've often wondered about the choice of the word famine. One archaic definition is extreme appetite, the very thing that seems to have motivated the younger son to leave in the first place. What extreme appetite tempts you, me? The story continues. This fellow, now hungry in a foreign land, gets a job working in the fields feeding pigs. Jesus' emphasis here is that this Jewish boy hit the wall. Jews didn't eat pigs, touch pigs, have pigs, or be around pigs. And here the young man is in a pig pen feeding them. A Jew, especially a Jewish male, couldn't get lower. It's like a member of the religious rite following a car accident asking for assistance from a lesbian woman who works for Planned Parenthood with HIV. <laughs> I can't help but think of the deep emotions and repulsion that this would have had on Jesus' hearers. Remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees, the religiously righteous, those preservers of the law. The young son would have gladly satisfied his hunger by eating the pods he had been serving the pigs, but no one offered him any. You know, when we, a person, hits bottom, the only one that can help make a decision to move in a different direction is us. And that's what's happening here. 
the text says he came to himself, which is a way of saying that there was an inner shift, a psychological maturity, a conversion, if you will. How many of my father's hands, hired hands have bread enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, that's a reference to God, and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he sent off and went to his father. This action is critically important. It was like a reality check. He was honest with himself. He was honest with his situation and he decided, decided to go back and ask forgiveness. Have there been times in your life when you realize that you have made a choice that's not been life-giving but rather life-draining? And the only way that your heart can thrive is to go back to the person whomever you've hurt and ask forgiveness. The younger son rehearsed in his mind just the right words to say. I have done this more often than I'd like to admit. En route, not too far from home, he is seen by his father who is moved with compassion and runs out to meet him with arms wide open. He embraces him, kissing him, and the son begins his well-rehearsed words, but before he can get all that he wants to say out of his mouth, the father immediately calls around the servants and says, quickly, bring a robe, the best one. Put a ring on his finger and put shoes on his feet. Get the fatted calf and slaughter it. Let's have a feast, a party, and celebrate because the son of mine has come back to life. In the midst of this confession, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son of yours. The father immediately welcomes him as family. The father is a prodigal by his extravagant welcome and abundant forgiveness. Enters next the eldest son, the faithful one, the responsible one, the one who had always been there, possibly silently resentful. He was out in the field, and as he gets closer to the house, he hears the sounds of a party. So he says to a servant, what's going on? Oh, your brother is back, and your, your father's throwing a party. And he even killed a fatted calf. The older brother is enraged and refused to go in. The father comes out and pleads with him. Single parenting, parenting is hard. All these years, all these years, he says, I have worked for you, and I have never once disobeyed you. Any of your orders, I've listened to them. And you have never, not even given me a kid goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, the one who squandered your estate with prostitutes, for him, for him, you've slaughtered the fatted calf. Did you notice this son of yours? He immediately washed any connection from his hands with his brother. There was no ownership, no sense of familiarity, only hurt, jealousy, and I would say probably some envy. I think the older son had no sense of interior welcome or grace 
because he hadn't lived his life. He had wasted it. He was not content with what he had, but he was wanting what he thought his brother had. Have you ever done this? Wanting someone else's life, thus missing the one, the only one that you have? I love what Jesus does with the father's response. He, in, the son says, this son of yours, and the father says, this brother of yours, putting the familial connection back on the older brother. This brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. So let's celebrate and party. Jesus was saying in this parable, and a parable usually only has one message, but this one is nuanced all the way through. What Jesus is saying to those who were complaining with who he was hanging out with is that it's always about welcome. And I believe that this is the meta message of this parable. That every child of Israel, every child of the covenant, said Jesus, is welcome in God's embrace, even those considered outcasts, sinners, and unclean. You see, my friends, from God's perspective, it's always about welcome. From God's perspective, it's always about making one more place at the table. From God's perspective, it's always saying that there is no limit to forgiveness, tolerance, and grace. And this, this is the invitation of Lent. But more aptly stated, this is what it means to follow Jesus. Amen.